Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. It is a fact or fiction edition of the show, Logan. We're going to take some uh, some thoughts, some of them very Commander-specific, some of them more global around the NFL, but certainly apply to the Commander's and discuss whether they are fact or fiction. Seems easy enough, yeah? <laughs> yeah, sounds great. All right, so uh, the first one is is very commander-centric. It is Sam Howell. And there's this myth, uh, or maybe it's a, uh, there's a thought. Well, you'll be able to tell me whether it's a myth or not. It's something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about, but you have a much better answer than me. That if the commanders move on from Eric Bieniemy in the offseason... And bring in a new offensive coordinator. Sam Howell will be learning a third system in three years. How much would that hurt him is kind of the big question we're trying to tackle. Um, and, you know, it, that would hurt Sam Howell. Like, that's a that's the fact or fiction. But I think in that, there's also kind of this sub-question I have for you, which is, let's say they hire a Ben Johnson or a Bobby Slowick, someone who runs a West Coast-based system, which obviously Eric Bieniemy does as well. How much of a learning curve is that even in the first place to go from one West coast system to another, but factor fiction to be a good host, a, a third system in three years would hurt Sam Howell. I mean, it hurts probably like it's all relative, right? I think I do. I think it affects Sam Howell. Yes. Is it hard to learn an offense? Yes. Is it going to somewhat stunt him? I would say yes. And, and the reason I say that is just because there is, there is a time period and an ownership that takes place of an offense. And so like, what I mean by that is, you know, I think he'll know the route concepts. I, I think he's shown that he's a smart guy, that he can learn concepts really quickly. To me, I think it's the stuff that takes you from kind of average quarterback to great quarterback that, that, that'll be stunted here, right? And so that's the stuff where it's understanding how dagger works versus cover two as opposed to cover three, how, how I can manipulate that hook player on horn as opposed whatever like that that's the stuff that needs to kind of be uh acknowledged in terms of things that'll be challenging and then i think the other element is uh the protection stuff is is been something that he's gotten better at as the year goes on and for whatever reason that's something that takes running backs a long time to learn takes offensive linemen a long time to learn takes quarterbacks a long time to learn so i do think yes it will affect him it could be negative but i also think perhaps if you get a guy in here who's again like maybe a little more balanced like some of those things that um, are that are that will be regressed 
maybe you are covered up a little bit better, right? We're going to run the ball a little bit more. We're going to lean into the play action pass more. We're going to lean into RPOs a little bit more. Not to say that EB hasn't found things this year for Sam, but I do think like running the ball, like you mentioned, Ben Johnson, they run the ball a ton. I think they're top four in attempts this year. It's part mm-hmm. of their identity. It's part of who they are. Those are times where, again, you're alleviating some pressure on the quarterback in, in a more kind of quarterback friendly way. Um, and obviously EB's done that with quick game, with sprint outs, with, um, with some RPO stuff, but there are, there are levels to this. And to me, just looking at it from a thousand foot view, I think the simplest way to kind of correct that is just, yeah, we're run, running the ball more. We're going to hit more play action shots. We're going to be more proactive in kind of a Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, Sean McVay way of finding easy throws down the field. So I think while there is a challenge to learning, I think there are certain systems um, that, can make certain things easier. Like, yes, is he going to have a hard time learning a new system? 100%. But are there systems that are maybe a little bit more quarterback friendly? Potentially. And again, that's something that is that, that remains to be seen. But I do think it's more complicated than saying, oh, they're learning a new offense. It's bad for Sam. Of course, it's going to be hard for Sam. But maybe there's other elements of that system that speak to Sam's skill set a little bit better. I, to go back to the very first thing you said, it's all relative, right? Yeah. To me, the answer to this question lies in a different question. What is more detrimental, learning the new system and the gap that exists there or staying in a system that's not maximizing your player? Like, would you rather be in a better system and have to learn it or stay in an inferior system but have continuity if you do believe this system is inferior, which I am very on record as saying I do the way mm. it's being run right now, right? So is they're going to be a learning curve to some extent, yes. And I want to dive again into the the West Coast to West Coast thing and talk about what could change from system to system because you've gone through that process sure. in your career. I, believe it or not, uh, never never changed NFL <laughs> offenses. Uh, but I, I think that to your point, like a guy like Johnson has worked so well with Jared Goff because he's taken a lot off of his plate. He's simplified things down. What Kyle has done with Brock Purdy and others out in San Francisco, the way that Sean worked with Goff in those first couple of years that did get them to a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl that they lost, but did get them to a Super Bowl um, early on. Uh, and some of the, like, I mean, what Kevin's done with Kirk mm-hmm. in Minnesota, yep. best couple of years of his career um, up there. So the, the examples, you know, Slowick and with CJ Stroud, like the examples are endless around the NFL. Um, what frankly, what Andy and, and EB was on that staff as well did with Alex Smith back in the day, like they mm-hmm. found a right. way to win football games with not Patrick Mahomes. And so I would rather have a system that really resembles those different systems and have Sam have to learn it, but insulate him more than I would to stay with the current layout. Now, obviously EB could change it. Um, I think that's also something you have to give credit. That's something we've talked about with Eric is like, this is his first year as a play caller. So would he take this off season to self scout self study and ultimately change how he called it next year? Potentially. Um, but I would, I would rather go through the change, uh, personally with that said, let's say they do go to a different West coast system. What are, what are the, the easy parts of that transition? What are the hard parts? Like what changes, what stays the same West coast to West coast? Yeah, I think people always talk about learning offenses in terms of language. And there's obviously like the, you know, like the Latin based languages in English. And so like when you're in Spanish class, you're like, oh, this word sounds a lot like the English word. And then like the French word sounds a lot like the English word. There is in a West Coast offense, there's a lot of that, right? So you'll be in your install and you're like, oh, we're going to run stick and they might call it something different, but 
day one is going to be stick and we got dragon, we got slant flat, which is dragon, we got double slants. And they might, again, they might have some different language for it, but at least the coaching points and like kind of the general distribution of the concept are relatively similar. So like when we went from, you know, uh, Kyle to Sean here, obviously there was a lot of carryover and it was really Jay's offense. And so there was some verbiage differences. The protections were a little bit different. The concepts were, there was a different point of emphasis on the concept potentially, but on the whole, it's very, very similar. Then I went from here to Chicago. It's a West Coast system. And the, even though the, I've been on record as saying the verbiage there was insanely hard to learn, conceptually, the stuff was sem- similar to what we learned when I was with Kyle. It was very, very similar to that, right? Then I go to San Fran. And even that, even going from you know Kyle to Kyle again, the offense changed and it molds and the, the, the focus is a little bit different. The coaching is a little bit different. But the picture's relatively the same. And so I do think like going from West Coast to West West Coast, it's hard, obviously. And obviously there's different perspectives from a coaching standpoint, but it's not as hard as going like when I went from Atlanta to Houston, which is again, that kind of New England, whatever that offense is up there, kind of its own tree. It was very challenging for me to learn that because I couldn't, I had no point of reference. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is, this looks like drive, but they're not, the reads different coaching points different the the tight end sits in a different spot so it's like you're it's like you're going from a latin based language to a germanic based language like there's no the crossover isn't quite the same so i think that's something that i would feel very comfortable is that yeah is there going to be a point of transition here from him in terms of learning what the new coordinator or, or even if eb changes what he's doing like there will be learning this offseason for for sam it's just about i think going from west coast to west coast in my personal opinion is significantly easier because again there are enough similarities where you're like okay like i got that like that's okay i gotta tighten my split on this that's how we did it last year or this is the depth and this is the read and it all kind of layers out the same and again there's some nuance and some variation which you have to learn but i think on the whole west coast to west coast in my opinion is um is much easier Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I take everyone back to the uh, vaunted year of 2018 in Washington football history. Ah, yes, that is the Alex Smith to Colt McCoy to Mark Sanchez year. And Sanchez talked about this quite a bit when he had to take over at, you know, obviously uh, Kevin O'Connell had a huge uh, say in that offense as the offensive coordinator, but it was Jay's offense. Uh, But because it was West Coast and it was similar to what Mark had run in New York, Kevin was able to literally translate uh, when they were on that short week um, after Colt got hurt. Uh, actually, I think it was the day the, that, you know, when it when it happened in that Philadelphia mm. game on that Monday night where Kevin would almost call two plays in the huddle uh, or two plays for Mark. One was tell everyone else it's this and for right. you it's this. Right. And in Mark used that like French, Italian, Spanish, um, you know, comparison to say like, you know, it, it, you it's basically the same thing. It's just called something else. Right. And so uh, I think that that would be obviously is, is hard because sometimes the worst one is if like, 
there's a similar word. Like I'm learning French right now, for instance. And, sure. Uh, travail uh, in Spanish, is, like one of them is to travel, one of them is to work. Right. Um, in English, it's something similar. And I mix up what it is all the time. And sometimes that happens. And so if it, there's lion in both offenses and you in your head have the wrong one, that's going to cause problems. But if you have an entire off season to work through it, uh, yeah. your coach, and, and here's the other thing too, a coach can learn new language as well. Yeah. And so if, if you have an entire group of players, that's like, we call this lion. It's pretty easy for the coach to make that adjustment as well. One person changing versus, you know, 53 or however many are new. And so that, that is another element of this that I think is, is interesting that good coaches can adapt as well. And instead of just enforcing whatever it is on their players, they can say, what do you guys know? Okay, this is the same thing. We'll just call it what you called it. And that's how offenses, by the way, can mold over time. Where say if Kyle got to San Francisco and everyone knew one thing is one thing, maybe he changed it in his offense right. to be called that to because he could handle it easier than the players changing the entire name of it. Yeah, and I think you know there's definitely a lot of truth to that. And that, I've been a part of offenses where that's been done. When I was in Atlanta, Sark did that. He basically took his offense, which was a West Coast variation, and put it in his in in Kyle's terminology. And I I push back on that. Like this is again, this is we're getting in the weeds here a little bit. I want my mm-hmm. coordinator thinking in his language and everyone else yeah. adjusts because like I want him thinking about calling the plays and executing that stuff in a language that's appropriate for him. And I, and I you know coordinators are, are smart guys and they can work through certain stuff. And I think to your point, certain certain words, certain phrases, certain concepts will transfer and that's totally fine. But I, I like the coordinator to be the guy like. We're all learning your perspective. We're all learning your language. Right. But I, I think a good example is that when I went to Atlanta, they called Drive Falcon. And I, no re- I don't know why they did that. It was from Kyle's old terminology, but that's what it was. And so you just had to kind of memorize like, okay, Drive is now Falcon or whatever it is. So it, is it hard? Yes. Is it going to be a big change? Yes. But West Coast to West Coast, much easier than West Coast to like Air Coriel. And Sam's already done that. He went from Air Coriel to West Coast. So this should be pretty straightforward for him in terms of like, oh, it's I just got to learn the new concepts, learn the new verbiage. And I think the thing that I go back to is that if this does happen, Sam has shown an ability to get this done. Like he's shown a proclivity for it. And like if let's say, for exam, for example, like Sam had a really hard time in training camp with the offense in terms of just getting the plays out. I'd be a little bit worried because I'm like, he doesn't have a, a, a history of doing this very well. Right. But he does. Like he's shown an ability to learn it and get it done. Football is important to him. So while yes, it is significant, it is important, I don't think it's it's the end all be all. And is it ideal? I'm it's definitely not ideal. But no. you know like I, some people have gone to the extreme of saying like it's a reason you have to keep E B and I don't oh, I, I don't think that's that's remotely the case. Well I think um, that's I yeah. I think that a coach has to make a determination of like it's part of the the equation, right? But again it's you know, is whatever drop off you'll have in lack of continuity worth it because of the upgrade in the relationship in the system. And I'm saying that like, EB and Sam have a bad relationship, but like the the football relationship of like, hey, EB hasn't really insulated Sam. Like that's the kind of things that are being evaluated. And of course there is the, I would hope the learning curve is something that is thought about. And it's something that I don't know that this administration always thought about in terms of the time it would take to learn certain things True. for certain players and, and when they brought them in and put them in certain spots. Um, but the, to the idea that it's so extreme and it's such a big deal to go, especially from West coast to West coast, considering I think most of the top candidates will be West coast, um, that it's so extreme that like, 
it's crazy not to keep EB because of the continuity, I think is taking it way, way too far. It's way overestimating the task that it is for Sam Howell to learn a new offense. And this is something else that I think is, is important here is like you're, if, if they, if I think we all are kind of of the mindset that there's going to be some big changes this off season. And if you bring in one of these young dynamic offensive minds, you're bringing them in for their offensive mind. And so as much respect right. and as much as I, I appreciate EB, you know, like I've, like he coached me in college. Like I've got a good relationship. I, as much as I appreciate him, like I don't think you want differing opinions in the offensive room because I think that can be equally as confusing. Like That's I remember awful. when I was in San Fran, um, my tight end coach at the time, who's like one of my best friends from the NFL, he had been in a different offense for a couple of years. So he kept verbalizing Kyle's offense in his old offense and kind of applying those techniques and depths and all that stuff to the offense. And I was like, I don't think this is right. And it was very confusing for everybody in the room because it wasn't quite what Kyle wanted. It wasn't wrong by offensive standards, but it just wasn't a clear one-to-one. And I think I got to point this out too. I think that's one of the reasons why I feel for EB even more in this situation because he didn't bring any of his own position coaches in to help him articulate his own offense. And that's kind of what I'm saying here is you don't want to repeat that same mistake. You don't want to bring in an offensive coordinator and be like, hey, you guys learn the offense I'm installing. That's not fair to the offensive coordinator. That's not fair to the position coaches or the head coach who is going to be probably offensive minded. That's just not fair. So I think in some ways it'd be cleaner just to kind of say, hey, rip the Band-Aid off. This 100%. is the new thing. This is the new verbiage. Here are all the position coaches that are familiar with that. And again, that's not necessarily fair to EB. You had a year to kind of work through a very, very challenging situation, but that's ultimately kind of you got to think about what's best for the organization long term and kind of separate it from is it fair for the individual as opposed to is it what's best for Sam and the, and the organization as a whole. And I think that's something that is obviously very emotionally challenging, but I think ultimately would be the right thing is just kind of clean sweep, new staff, and install this new offense as you see fit. And again, I understand that that's very callous. And as if I was a coach, I would hate hearing that. But I ultimately think like if you're building an organization, that's that's kind of what, that's what Josh Harris has to think about. And I think it shows you the right. different levels of things people have to consider in in building a team and building a franchise yeah i mean if i'm ben johnson i don't want eric Bieniemy here and that's not personal to eb i don't want an offensive coordinator who's got strong opinions um to to be able to subvert potentially what i'm doing and i would go back to and not that like eb would be nefarious about it but it, like like with your tight end coach in san francisco like you're just comfortable with something else or you know Correct. something else so well and so you're like, oh, it's this. And it's like, oh, crap, no, it's not. Um, or it doesn't ma- marry exactly what the, the coach or coordinator wants. Um, so it's not like the soap opera e subversion. It's just like, it's hard he, to do something when you've been, you've had success doing it a different way. He just doesn't um, know the, he just doesn't know the offense the way that you know right. the offense. And he, right. he knows and, his and so, thing. Like he knows his thing really, really well. Right. And you, do, and, and, and you have your thing and you're trying to put your thing in. So that can be, it can just be like convoluted. You know, if someone's yeah. teaching in French and you're trying to teach English, like it's tough. And, and I, again, it's not fair and it's, and I have a lot of sympathy for the staff and all that stuff. But, um, I think that's, those are the decisions that those yeah. are the types of the decisions that need to be made. I wish my French was better so I could make a joke in French here, but I'm still very <laughs> bad at French. Um, I go back again to, to like that 2017-ish through 2020, like when Callahan was here. Like the the battles that Callahan and Gruden mm. and O'Connell had were epic. Mm-hmm. And it's because they saw offense differently. Right. And, you know, Jay, Bill wasn't Jay's guy. Like 
Bill Callahan was Bruce Allen's guy. Right. Caused problems. And it's not that Bill Callahan's a bad coach. It's not that Jay Gruden was a bad offensive mind. It's not that Kevin O'Connell obviously was a bad offensive mind or Sean McVay. And there were times that that dissent and those differing opinions was good because it pulled them in a direction that you have a super aggressive and you need it. It's almost the way that, you know, the, the pie in the sky view of how politics works, right? It's like yeah. you have one party that pushes forward and one that's making sure you don't go too fast. And it's like, that works in theory, but like often you're better off just like going in one direction um, and trying to push yourself forward. And so that caused a ton of, ton of problems and that, that's what I'd want to avoid if I was Josh Harris uh, with my new staff. And if I was a head coach interviewing, I'd be like, no, you're not, you're not dictating my staff to me. That's a bad precedent. And I don't think right. Harris uh, is remotely interested in that. Um, real quick on Sam, like how is, how do you think he's done in terms of evolving within this system this year and showing the capacity to learn and kind of where he is at this point in his development as we come out of this bye with four games to go? Yeah, I was talking to John Kime on his podcast about this actually this morning. And the thing that stuck out to me was, you know, he's done some amazing things this year, like really tremendous things, throws, you know, extending plays, playing outside of structure, showing this like really high level ability. And I think the thing I'm having a hard time at the moment is, is, is negotiating that with what I've seen the last two weeks, which has been, uh, I don't even know if it's a regression by Sam. It feels like a regression by the offense. And so we're at a point now after playing Dallas, after playing Miami, where it's like, I don't know where the offense is at. I don't know where Sam is at. And it's making my evaluation of Sam very challenging. So I keep going back to, Oh man, he did these really amazing things. Like he did this, like um, like amazing plays—the throws versus Denver, the touchdown versus New England, like all the or the the completion on third down to Terry, where he's got pressure. Like amazing, like amazing plays. You won't see better throws over uh, over the course of the year. The the throw uh, to tie the game in Seattle, awesome, like just tremendous stuff. But was that? Was that the outlier? And this is what what's real. I personally think that's what's real. Is the good stuff is what's real. But it would be nice going into the off season to have some positive, some positivity around his play and an offense that was playing better. And that's not an indictment of anybody. That's just saying the protection wasn't good last uh, against Miami. The routes weren't good against Miami. Sam made some bad decisions. Like, is EB calling a perfect game? I think he's doing a pretty good job, but it's not perfect all the time. So there's layers to it. And I just want the offense to get to a position where we as analysts, we as fans can finally be like, hey, this is this is who, this is is who who Sam is and this is what we're excited about and this is someone we can build around. But until that happens, um, it, it just becomes very – the evaluation part of it becomes very, very challenging. Yeah, I think if you had to make the decision today, it'd be incredibly difficult. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think it also is going to obviously depend on how they finish the season record-wise um, and and what they have. Uh, Michael Phillips brought up a great point with me last Monday on the radio show, which is if Sam plays really well, he's going to uh, really solidify his place in Washington, not only with the play on the field, but – if he wins them a couple of games, he gets them out uh, or better yeah. chance that the best quarterbacks on the board are going to be gone. Right. Like not just the top two in, in uh, Williams and May, but that Jaden Daniels, uh, now the Heisman Trophy winner, could be gone as well. Uh, so obviously, the farther down the list you go on those quarterbacks, the less likely that guy's going to be better than Sam Howell and worth taking. Um, so that's an interesting thing to watch for sure over these final four games of the season. <laughs> 